Thank you, John. <clears throat> Good morning, everyone. Welcome to church. Can we get the first slide? That'd be awesome. This is what we're looking at today. We're looking at God's blueprint. For those of you who have seen and heard me preach before, you'll realise this is not the normal get-up that I would wear. Five points to anyone who can figure out why I'm wearing this shirt before we get to the end of the sermon. The shirt, for those who are listening on the podcast, is in the Star Wars background and it says, May the Lord be with you. So if you can figure that out, come and see me afterwards, before the end of the sermon, because you'll get the answer by the end and we'll see where we're going. This is not the sermon I wanted to preach. Tim contacted me a while ago and I gave him a topic about looking at Abraham and families and Abraham's testimony. I said, I'll do that, Tim. Tim went, great. Then God tapped me on the shoulder and went, no, 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 you're going to do this one. And I said, I don't want to do this one. This is a hard one. This one convicted me. I really, really don't want to do this. And as I often say to my kids when they come home and say, I don't want to do homework, I say, I've got two words for you, tough cheddar. And God went, this is what you're doing. Okay, what can you do but obey the word of the living God? So we're going to dive into living Christianity, God's blueprint. Before we kick off, let's pray. Father God, as we've just sung, we praise your name on high. You are the Alpha and the Omega. You are the beginning and the end. You are behind us and before us. You are forever our friend. Although worry surrounds us, like Elisha, or Elijah, I can't remember which one now, in the, in the city, the army of God surrounds our worry. You surround everything. You're in us, you're around us, you protect us, you guide us, you empower us. And this morning we just pray for your blessing, Lord, and guidance, and that you speak to each and every one of us in the way that you have predetermined that you will. And we ask this in Jesus' precious name, our Lord and Saviour. Amen. God's blueprint. Have you ever been asked to do something and you don't know how to do it? I remember sitting in, thank you, Neil, one hand. Awesome. Only one person. Anybody else? Hands. Everybody. I remember distinctly sitting in the grade three maths classroom and the teacher wrote a problem up on the board and I had absolutely no idea what she was talking about. And she said, by the end of this year, you will be able to solve that problem. We are going to work through that. It drove me nuts because I was panicking. I didn't know what to do. But by the end, we could do it. And it was her way of saying, if you just trust me, I will teach you and take you on the journey that you need to go on. Anyone here been to Ikea? Amart? Anyone bought one of those giant boxes and then opened it up and pulled out this tiny little page of instructions that may or may not be in English and thought, how on earth is this little instruction manual going to build this giant box? In the end, it does, if you follow the directions carefully. If you don't, you end up with leftover pieces and the thing falls down. Has anyone been asked to lead a Bible study or even worse, pray in church and just gone, ooh, it's not me? How about someone's just assumed you can sew? That happened to me once and only once because they saw how badly I did. Anyone just assumed you could play an instrument because everyone else in your family can? Sal's got a hand up at the back, yep. How about calming a crying baby? 
anyone tried to calm a crying baby, this little thing that's bawling its eyes out in your arms and it can't talk to you and your heart goes out to it and you're like, I don't know how to help you. And you can't. But all they want is love. How about living Christianity? How about living Christianity? Perhaps you're a new Christian. Or perhaps you've been a Christian for a very long time and you really don't know how to live Christianity. It's honest, a lot of people don't. We can see that in the world by some of the Christians we see on TV and other places. Now, I'm not pointing fingers, I'm just saying, Jesus says your actions speak louder than your words. How about living Christianity? Well, we're lucky because God has given us a blueprint. It's called the Bible. And like our maths teacher, we may not always know all the answers, but he will teach us. Like the IKEA instruction manual, it may not feel like all the answers are in there, but they are. He promises that his word is the rock on which we can stand. It is infallible. It is totally truth and it is all we ever need. He promises that. So let's dive in because every blueprint starts with an end goal. In IKEA, it's you want your big thing constructed. In maths, you want to be able to solve the problem. Doing the driving test, you want to be allowed out on the road, although nobody else wants you there. We're going to have a look at what is the end point. Stephen Covey says, start with the end in mind, and that's where we're going to go. What is the end point? And I apologise, it's a bit small, but the Great Command and the Great Commission. This is the reason that Jesus leaves us on this earth and doesn't take us to be with him when we first become Christians. To love God, to love others. As we just saw, to share his word. So what does the Bible actually say? Matthew 22, 37 to 39. And he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbour as yourself. This is the same commandment written in a different way. If you truly love your neighbour as yourself, how do you represent that? Well, you have a look at Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples for all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the ends of the age. Love God and love others. That's the end point. Great. You say to me, Murray, that is so awesome. That's where we're going, but I have no idea how to get there. Where's my little Google Maps GPS that can track my way there? We've got that. It's the Bible. 2 Timothy 2 provides a couple of practical ways to walk this journey to get to the end that God has in store for us. So let's have a look. The blueprint. Five key points that show how God wants us to live. Five key points that allow God to flow through us. Five key points that keep us in the spotlight of God's will where we can be the most effective with him. Five key points to living Christianity, which is God's blueprint. We're going to start with number one. Anyone want to have a guess at what number one is? Everyone's quiet. Ooh. Number one, rely on Jesus. 
Jesus is the centre of everything we do. He is the light to which we look, the axis around which our lives are to rotate, the power behind us. He is our all in all and the only way to God the Father. So what did Paul say to Timothy? Verse 1, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in who? Christ Jesus. Think over what I say, for the Lord, Christ Jesus, will give you understanding in everything. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, so that, they may, so that they also may obtain salvation that is in Christ Jesus, with eternal glory. You have a look at these verses and pull out just the key points. We are his children. And like every parent, he wants us to grow and change and become all that we can be. And for those of you who've been parents or teachers, you know that the person the little person you are raising doesn't even realise what their potential is. You see it, they don't. You encourage them. You put things in their path that helps them to grow. You are the one who helps transform them into the adult and the power that they are to be. You as the parent, God as our parent, takes us, moulds us and guides us forward. He is our strength. He is where we find grace. He gives us understanding in everything. He helps us endure. He helps us do this for the sake of the elect, one another. Christianity is a relationship religion. It's about being together. So that we can obtain salvation and eternal glory in him. Isaiah puts it this way. He gives strength to the weary and to him who lacks might, he increases power. The picture here is lean into Jesus. Rely on Jesus. He is everything. He is all. He is. He. He is the I am. He is God. You can say that's awesome. You've picked out three verses from one part of the Bible. What about some others? Well, the beauty of the Bible is it says exactly the same thing. Love God, love others in multiple different ways, in multiple different viewpoints. It's like going to an art gallery and looking at all the different paintings. They're still paintings. They're different, but they're still paintings. All the different types of music, jazz, R&B, country and western, rock and roll, whatever you like. It's all music. In the same way, the Bible points back to Jesus in different ways that touch us in different aspects of our life at different times. For those who've read the Bible, know they can read it multiple times and one day a verse will just jump out at you. And you're like, wow, where did that come from? But you've read it 20 times before. So let's have a look. Ephesians 6, 10 to 11. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armour of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Where does our protection come from? Jesus. 1 John 5, 12. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. Think about that. If you have Jesus, you are alive, eternal. If you today do not know Jesus, the Bible says that you are dead. You need Jesus to have true life. The Bible says in John 15, 7, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. If we're walking in the spotlight of his will and we pray to God, he will come through. Every time. 
If you are not walking in the spotlight of his will and you're praying for something that isn't in his will, don't be surprised if it doesn't come through. What else did Jesus say? I am the way, the truth and the life. Rely on Jesus. So this is where we get interactive. Turn to the person next to you or shout it out to the person down the other end of the row and say, number one, rely on Jesus. Number one, rely on Jesus. Right, this is where it gets personal. I want everybody to take 10 seconds, quiet your heart, bow your head, close your eyes and just talk to Jesus for a minute. Think about a time where you relied on him and he came through or if you're not relying on him, ask for forgiveness and ask him to help you. 10 seconds. Okay, so we've looked at rely on Jesus. He's the axis. He's the centre. Now we're going to look at number two. Stay focused and live a holy life. Stay focused. For those of you who've been in love, it's the most awesome feeling ever. When I first met my wife, there's nothing I couldn't do for her. I went out and bought her KFC. (laughs) I went to the extraordinary lengths of watching a romantic comedy. That should cover over every sin in my life from this point forward. I listened to Elvis. I listened to Slim Dusty. Yeah, there was, you know, big sacrifices on my part. I just got to say that. But that's what love does. And it keeps going. And the great thing about being in love is it gets deeper and deeper. And it stops being the surface rubbish. And it becomes a deep, personal connection That's just there. You watch two people who've been married for more than 25 years and they don't even have to speak. They can just look at each other. Sometimes it's the raise of the eyebrow from the wife and you think, "Uh uh-oh, I'm sleeping outside tonight. (laughs) And other times it's just love. It's just what it is. So the funny story, last night I had a dream and I dreamed that I was T.D. Jakes and I was up here preaching this as an African-American Baptist pastor from the deep south and Susan said, if you do that, you can send yourself to heaven now and save me the trouble. That is truth and that is love. That's where it comes from. What else? When I first became a Christian, when I first really understood grace, I remember falling on my knees and bawling my eyes out like a baby. It's burnt into my brain. And I remember crying out to God, what can I do for you? And I knew I couldn't do anything because he's done it all. But that was the focus in that moment. That's the focus that God's looking for. So what does Timothy say here? Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. A good soldier is totally focused on his commander. Luke Skipper was here for a number of years and we all know what he talked about in soldiering. You have to be 100% following your commander. No questions, no deviation. It's for your good and the group of your company and the good of your company and the whole army together. You have to be focused. You cannot be distracted on civilian pursuits. An athlete, 
if they train within the rules and they practice and practice, they have an opportunity of winning. Who here watches the Olympics or the Commonwealth Games or something like that? Nobody, everybody, excellent. Just think about that moment when the athlete is on the blocks, they're ready to run, they're ready to swim. What you notice in that moment is that person is laser focused. There is nothing in their world except the lane in front of them, the pool they're about to swim in, and the wait for the starter's gun. That's what staying focused in Jesus means. He is everything or he's nothing. There is no 50 shades of grey in Christianity. It's black or it's white. And anyone who tells you different is spinning something. Proverbs 3.3 is a powerful verse. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Why? Because in Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. So let's just backtrack a little bit. Hang the love of Jesus around your neck so it's always there. But write it on the tablet of your heart. Think about Moses up on the mountain chiseling out those tablets or God's finger writing on them. You cannot erase a tablet. It's written in stone. Jesus is saying, put me in your heart. I will never leave you. I want to be so engraved in your life that it's there and it's never removed. That's Christianity. Written, engraved in the tablet of your heart. That's how important it is. Why? So we can live holy lives. As a Christian community around the world, we've lost sight of holiness. Holiness is about addition and removal. Holiness is about taking away the things of the world, the things that are not of Christ, and replacing them with him. Holiness is key to living a Christian life. What does Ephesians tell us? Ephesians 4, 1 to 3. I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain unity of the spirit of the bond of peace. How do I know if I'm walking in holiness? I am God's prisoner. Literally, he is my all in all. I have no out but to serve him. I walk in a manner worthy of my calling. My actions speak my words. I do what I believe and it's visible. I am humble. I am gentle. I am patient. I bear with one another, not because I have to, but because I love them. I am eager to maintain unity. We'll just pause here for a second. Let's roll back. The first word there was eager. Christianity is not a passive religion. It is an active religion. Eager to maintain unity means I don't just sit there when disunities happen. I get off my butt and I do something about it. Action. I can't sit passively on the sidelines where there's disunity. I have to be eager to maintain it. If I see it, I jump in and I help. That's Christianity. And I do everything in the power of the Spirit, not of myself, in the bond of peace. 
Everything I do is about promoting the love of Jesus in the world. I'm not out to antagonise anyone. I'm not out to win an argument. I'm out to love someone who is a child of God in the same way that Jesus did and show them his love because that is all that changes. 1 John 2.15 Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Did you catch that? The first time I heard this verse, I went home with my family. We threw out every movie in our house, MA rated or above, every book that wasn't of Jesus, every song that wasn't of Jesus, because if the love of the world is in my heart, he is not there. Do not mistake this. This is not a game. This is Christianity. God says, I must be number one. I must be number one. And if you have the love of the world in your heart, I am not there. This is not my words. This is his words. Think carefully. He must be our all in all. Why? Because we are the only hope of this world. We are the shining light of Jesus to those who don't know him. We are God's representatives. We are the ones who show the love of Jesus out into the world. This is key. So turn to the person next to you and say, number two, stay focused and live holy lives. Stay focused and live holy lives. We're going to take 15 seconds this time because everyone was still going last time. I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes, not fall asleep, and think really carefully, what is taking your focus or your holiness from Jesus? Lay it before the cross, ask for his forgiveness and ask him to help us power forward. Okay. We've got the building blocks out of the way. Rely on Jesus, stay focused and live a holy life. Number three, be prepared and take time. Who's tried to do something without being prepared? Everybody, hands up if it's ended up in a disaster. Yeah, it always does. Uh, Anna says maybe. Do you want to take over? Uh, she's not prepared, there you go. <laughs> Second Timothy 2.6, it is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of his crops. And verse 9, for which I am suffering bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. You may say those verses don't make a lot of sense together, but let's have a look. The hardworking farmer, they start by thinking about what it is they're going to do. They plan. They prepare. They prepare the soil. They buy the seed. They sow the seed. They water the seed. They nurture the seed. They pull out the weeds. And it can be years before they see a return. Years of hard work and investment. Christianity is no different. In Christianity, we prepare by reading the Bible, by praying and by being encouraged with other Christians. That is how we stand tall in the times that come and hit us in the side of the head. Like Jesus talked about in the parable of the sower, he showed, sowed four types of seeds. Three of them didn't make it. The only one that stood tall is the one that had deep roots, deep roots into him, and it returned a hundredfold. 
Be prepared and take time. Invest in growing your Christianity. Invest in meeting the person of Jesus. That's what he's saying. Get in there. Get to know me. I'm with you. I want to help you. Open the door and let me in. Why? So when adversity comes, like Paul, we can say, I am bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. It's a cheer. It's a victory cry. The man's in a dungeon and he's calling out victory in Jesus' name because his whole focus is on Jesus and he's spent his life being prepared, taking the time and growing what he knows. We have a saying at work. My wife told me I wasn't allowed to do this. I'm going to do it anyway. In project management, you can't have a baby in one month by getting nine women involved. (laughs) You can't do it. In Christianity, it is no different. God sets the time. God sets the path. If you are praying for someone to come to know Christ, if you are praying for change in someone's life, these verses tell you to hold the course. It's his time. It's his plan, not ours. Hold the course. Be prepared and take time. Hebrews 12.3 says, Consider him who adjured from sinners such hostility against himself that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. When life is tough, hold the course. Rely on Jesus. Stay focused and live a holy life. Be prepared and take time and he will see you through. If you ever get discouraged, think about Noah. Noah's one of my favourite guys. As someone studying to be a preacher, he's my most awesome preacher ever. Why? Noah spent a hundred years building the ark, they say. Noah had the biggest mega church building you have ever seen. He was the only preacher in the whole area, so he had no one to steal his flock. And how many converts did he get? Zero. Zero in 100 years. Tim's doing awesome. (laughs) 100 years. Don't despair. But he was prepared. He took the time and he and his family were saved because that's what God had predetermined to happen. And because of that, we're all sitting here today. If Noah built a leaky boat, none of us would be here. Think about that. So turn to the person next to you and say, Number three, be prepared and take time. Go. Be prepared for the Lion King. Is that right, Anna? Awesome. Yeah, good. That's not quite the same thing we're talking about. I'm kidding. So, again, quiet heart. Bow head. Think carefully. Am I preparing? Am I taking time? Am I truly looking to grow with Jesus. Be honest with him. He's your best friend and the only one who will never let you down. Okay, number four, act out what you learn. Many, many years ago when my kids were small, both of them were born here and they were very small, um, we're coming back from a church out Ipswich Way, if I remember correctly, and one of them turned to the other one and said, oh my gosh, that preacher's boring, why do we have to listen to him every day? 
And the other one turned around and said, it's kind of like going to school. The preacher's taught by God and the preacher's sharing what they've learnt with us and it's to help us be equipped to live the Christian life. And I'm like, ooh, from the mouth of babes, how awesome is that? I'm doing an awesome job. No, no, it was God's spirit. Preaching is all about taking the word, applying it to your life, praying over it and then sharing what God has shared with you. You ever find a preacher who's just preaching straight from the Bible? Go find another preacher. If it's not touching their life and my life, don't listen to them. Because being a preacher is all about him changing us first. I've agonised over this sermon for the last three weeks because I didn't want to do it, as I said. But this is what he wanted. 2 Timothy 2.2 2. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach also. Proverbs 3.1, my son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. 1 Timothy 4.6, if you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of faith and of good doctrine that you have followed. Action. A wise man once told me, Christianity is not a sponge religion. When the Holy Spirit is poured out on you, don't absorb it like a sponge. Be a downpipe. Because downpipes, the water flows through them and it cleans them out on the way through and then it spreads out across everybody else. That is Christianity. It's an action religion. Again, second story coming back from another church and um, it was a very small church and one of the kids in the backs turned to the other one and said, boy that preacher's doing a really bad job, there's no people in that church and the other child said no, no, it's not the preacher's fault it's the congregation's it's their job to go and reach their friends, they're the ones who are here to be equipped and released he's doing it as well but his prime role is to train and equip the congregation to be released. What does our quote here say? When you listen, it's amazing what you can learn. When you act on what you learn, it's amazing what you can change. God wants to change the world through us. Jesus had a horribly annoying habit of asking questions that upset people and convicted them. So here we go. Jesus' question to the crowds who came to him was, why are you here? Why are you here today? Is it to meet God and to grow and change? Because that's what he wants. That's what he wants. He's standing there like our, we talked right at the start with his arms open wide saying, come to me. Come to me. So why? This is going to get interesting. No, grow, go. It's all with you and me. I couldn't fit and me on the slide, I'm sorry. I ran out of space. We're going to start with no. Hopefully this doesn't block everybody's view. I'll stick it up the back. Anyway, it's leaning. That's cool. Knowing. Knowing is all about rely on Jesus. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. God created the world 
we turned our back on him and decided to go our own way. A holy and perfect God cannot deal with sin. So he had to send his sinless son to die in our place and open the door back to him. Knowing that we need God is the first and primary step in life. If you do not know, you cannot go any further. Knowing, it's rely on Jesus, number one. Number two, I'm not even going to pull that over because it won't fit. I'll stick it up at the back. Growing or grow. Growth is number two. Growing in Jesus. Romans 2.2, 2, very much like our John verse earlier. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable and perfect. This is stay focused and live a holy life. This is be prepared and take time. This is the start of act out what you learn. And then we go to go. Going. Acts 1.8. The early church were told, you will receive the power of the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This applies to every Christian today. God has given us the Holy Spirit. He has told us to go. It's not an option, it's a command. So what happens when they didn't go? You flip 1.8, you go to Acts 8.1. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem and they were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. When God gives us a command, there's only three things that can happen. One, better be careful which way my fingers are going. One, we accept it and we do it. Two, we refuse to do it and he moves the spotlight of his holy will to somebody else and we miss out. Three, you end up like Jonah. He chases you and chases you and chases you until you end up in the belly of a whale on your knees crying out to him for forgiveness and then you go and do what he said anyway. That's God's way. Don't be the one who falls outside the will. It's never easy at the start to do God's will, but it's always, always easier to do it in the long term. So turn to the person next to you, we skipped one before, and say, number four, act out what you learn. Act out what you learn. Number five, no, grow, go. It's all with you and with me. So, eyes closed, heads bowed, no snoring. Think carefully. Think very carefully. Is Jesus truly my personal Lord and Saviour today? Is he really my all in all? If you don't know Jesus, Tim will be at the welcome desk after the service. I'll be at the door. You can come and find one of us and we will happily share with you the greatest joy we have ever known. Take 10, 15 seconds and pray to the Lord of heaven about where you are today and where he wants you to go.
Okay. The blueprint. The blueprint allows us to go. Remember back at the start, the blueprint points to the destination. Matthew 28, 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. You may say, well, that's great, Murray. That's what he said at the end. What did he say at the beginning? Well, I'm so glad you asked. Matthew 4, 19. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you. And what is a fisher of man? It is a go and make disciples. It's a go. Now, you may say to me, Murray, I can't do this on my own. And I'm going to say, of course you can't. That's why he gave us Mark 13, 11. And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand about what you will say. Don't worry. But say what is given you in that hour. Notice he gives it to us in the hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. Go back to rely on Jesus. He will see you through. He will. The blueprint, rely on Jesus. Stay focused and live a holy life. Be prepared and take time. Act out what you learn. No grow, go. It's all with you and me. That's the blueprint. You may say to me, Murray, I'm feeling convicted. How do I do it? Well, I'm glad you asked. How? This is my personal experience. You may have other experience, but I'm sharing. The number one The absolute number one way I have found to share Christ with people is on Monday morning at work to ask them how their weekend was. Hi, Tim. How was your weekend? Tim's going to go, it was awesome. I saw the Broncos play. I don't know, Cowboys. Sharks. And they killed them. It was great. On Saturday, I went out with friends and family and the kids went to sport. And on Sunday, we just stayed home and had a rest. Nine times out of ten, they're going to say to you, and what did you do on your weekend? And I'm going to say, I watched the Broncos game too. Those refs were awful. There's a lot of biffo in that game. Saturday, I went out with friends. Sunday, I went to church and the pastor talked about love your enemies. And I reflected on that game a little bit. And then I remembered that at the end, they shook hands and it was all done. I don't have to say anything else. I've planted a seed. Too often as Christians, we try to go straight to the end. Sometimes it's just about waiting for them to ask the question. Put them in a position where they're actually listening for your answer. Don't hit them. Get them to ask a question. That's the number one way I've found to share faith with people. Because you know what? They won't ask you for the next two weeks, but guaranteed they're going to slip up and ask you in week four. And you're going to tell them again, I took my kids to youth group where they learnt this. And they had a ball, there were no phones, no iPads, they were running around the oval throwing paintballs at each other. Those youth leaders are awesome, you should send your kid there. Go out with your wife for a movie while the kids go nuts, they come home so tired they sleep for two days. It's great! It's great! And it is. Offer to pray for someone. That's number two I've found. And usually they'll say, no, pray for them anyway. Because when they come back and say, it all worked out and you didn't pray, you go, ha ha, yes I did. But again, they're willing to listen. Number three. Number three, live Christianity without shame. It's no different than talking about sport. Be proud of your team, be proud of Christ. The reason I'm wearing this shirt, because I'm proud of Christ. I don't have to be ashamed of it. I can't be ashamed of it. As Christians, too often we make a mistake of getting all flustered and, oh, I went to church. Just talk about it naturally. 
Jesus, if he's the core of your being, he is the centre of everything you had, if you can talk about football, you can talk about Jesus. It's not hard. Practice in front of the mirror. That's what I did for about a year before I worked up the courage to do anything. Ask people to refrain from coarse language or gutter jokes. Now, you don't have to tell them why. Ask them to refrain. Eventually, they will ask you. When they ask, I'm a Christian, I don't believe in that. In my current work, when I got there, every second word was an F-bomb. And I asked them to stop. Eventually, they asked me why, and I told them. There's no language in any of the meetings anymore. And when somebody does, they turn around and go, sorry, Pastor Murray, didn't realise you were here. Now, you can laugh, and it is funny, but that is embedded in every single person's mind in a meeting that I sit in. Every one of them. That's living Christianity. This one's a tough one. This is actually a really tough one for many Christians. Keep away from evil movies, music, books, and explain why. Again, if there's some show that comes on TV that every other person is watching and it's wrong, don't watch it. They'll come to work on Monday, they'll be talking about it, they'll ask you, did you watch it? And you can say no. Don't have to say anything else. Eventually they'll ask you why. Then you tell them, because they're listening. Tell them, I don't watch it because I'm a Christian. But make a stand. Remember, we cannot be of the world and of Christ. Don't fill your mind with gutter rubbish. Seriously, I think he sits up there and shakes his head and goes, what are you doing, people? I'm here, I'm everything you need. Cut it out. Make a stand. It's a way to witness to the world. Help someone in need, practical Christianity. Love your enemy, do good to those who hurt you. You find that difficult? Pray for them. You've got someone who's a real enemy to you, get on your knees, pray for them. Get your home group to pray for them. That's where you start loving your enemy. Pray for that person. See, the key to all of this is God doesn't have a plan B. He's got plan A and we're it. We are the people holding his light to the world. We are the people he has said, go and share my love. He are the, he, we are the people to worship him. We are the people to be set apart. There is no plan B. If everyone else in this room died and you were the last one left and you walked out, you would be the light to the world from this place. But, and there's always a but, as with everything in Christianity, it's our free and personal choice. He gives us a command and he says, it's your choice whether you obey me or not. It's God or self. We said before, there's no 50 shades. This is not a game. This is your eternal life and the Son of God who died for us on the cross. It's a question I want everybody to think about. We're going to bow our heads for a little bit longer this time. We're going to go 30 seconds. Well, the band can come up at the end of that. What are you going to choose? And not only what are you going to choose, but think about how is it going to change tomorrow? It's Monday tomorrow. You're going to meet people again who you haven't met over the weekend. Find someone. Pray for them. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you who. Pray for somebody and then reach out. The opportunity will come if you ask. How do we live out God's word? By obeying his command. So take 30 seconds. Eyes closed. Quiet hearts. What will you choose? 
and how is it going to change your tomorrow? Father God, we thank you for this time we can share together. We thank you that in this country we are still free to worship you openly and come before you. We thank you that we can still acknowledge you. We pray for the schools, Lord. I'm speaking to Pam from Pays this week and she told me that they're not allowed to share the gospel directly with kids in schools anymore. They have to live out Christianity we just pray, Lord, for those paid people as they're out there sharing with the youth that they will come to know you because they have nothing in this world aside from you. Guide each of us, Lord, into the coming week we ask. Help lead us to the person you have chosen for us. Help us to share your love and your hope with someone who is otherwise sending themselves to hell. Guide and protect us, Lord, we pray. Strengthen us in all we do. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.